I'm Sarah Elizabeth Smith, and this is the Theosophia Podcast, a platform for women's voices in theology. Today, we are launching a small series on the United Methodist Church decision. As many of you know, the UMC had a special general conference meeting in St. Louis last weekend to discuss human sexuality and how the church would handle these questions going forward, particularly as it pertained to the ordination of LGBTQ clergy and allowing same-sex marriages to be conducted by the UMC clergy in the church. We will be featuring several UMC pastors this week and their stories and perspectives on the decision. The UMC church is of particular importance to me. In my context, I grew up in the UMC, and most of my family still identifies with the UMC and attends their churches And as a gay woman, this decision has been difficult to digest and has brought a lot of LGBTQ folks and their allies to our knees. And you can check out my full reflection on this on the theosophiapodcast.com website. And before I share this episode, I wanted to offer a prayer for the human family from the Book of Common Prayer. O God, you made us in your own image and redeemed us through Jesus, your son. Look with compassion on the whole human family. Take away the arrogance and hatred which infects our hearts. Break down the walls that separate us. Unite us in bonds of love and work through our struggle and confusion to accomplish your purposes on earth. That in your good time, all nations and races may serve you in harmony around your heavenly throne. Through Jesus Christ, our Lord. Amen. This interview is with the Reverend Sam McLaughlin. Sam and I were classmates at Vanderbilt Divinity School, and she is now the associate pastor at Bellmead United Methodist Church near Nashville, Tennessee. Here's Sam. Well, really, yesterday, I feel like we, I feel like yesterday we really got a lot of the um, more reaction than the day before. You know, we did send a letter from the church yesterday, and mm-hmm. there's just so much discernment in what do you say and how do you mm-hmm. uh, value difference of theological opinion. Mm-hmm. Um, but at the same time, if you, I mean, you know, if you if you don't think this is right, then um, I don't know. So for me, it's, it's really difficult. And I feel like I'm always living into that tension. It's like, how do you, yeah. how do you pastor people with difference, um, difference of opinion? Yeah. But how do you also stay true to what you believe? Right. And so I found that really challenging. And, you know, we've had a lot of people that are emailing and saying, I don't understand. And I'm very frustrated. I'm really upset. Um, and mostly that's what we've had. We, you know, maybe just the one um, not so nice reaction to our letter. Um, what, what was the spirit of your letter? What was that like? So, the, okay. So, well, maybe I should start from the beginning. Yeah. Let's, let's, let's <laughs> so, start from the top. Do you want to start now or? Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Well, tell me about, tell me about your church and your context in Nashville and what your, your uh, yeah. community is like. Um, so I serve at Balmead United Methodist in, um, it's kind of west of, of Nashville. Um, we, 
we live our, our church is actually in West Mead. So it's not in like the city of Bell Mead. That's mm-hmm. a whole nother story in its own. But when we, when we chartered uh, the church name, when they did that back in the fifties, uh, they had a different p- piece of property that would have actually been Bell Mead. So mm-hmm. the church is um, in West Mead, which is kind of just across the street, but um, you know, the neighborhoods around our church are starting to, starting to turn over the houses mm. are being flipped and um, some younger people are moving in. So our church is really a mix though of uh, older people who have been here for a long time, but a lot of young people and a lot of uh, families. And so uh, we have a really great mix and we um, strive to do things intergenerationally. We've over the last couple of years been working hard to vision together and kind of have a clear direction of, where we're going or putting language to that, I'll say um, the church is great at being involved in the community. And so we've just put some um, language to who we want to be. And we've been trying really hard the last two and a half years to uh, live into that. I mean, they've been, they've been doing it a lot longer, but uh, I was appointed here in uh, 2016 after dip mm-hmm. school. So mm-hmm. A senior pastor was appointed here at the same time, which has been super helpful. Mm-hmm. So he's very kind and um, <laughs> calling us co-pastors and helping me to get ex- more experience. So um, that's great. Yeah, uh, we have about 300 to 350 that worship on Sunday morning mm-hmm. uh, between two services, 830 and 1030. Mm-hmm. Um, and we do have actually a we have an 830 that's very um, con- more contemporary style, serve communion every Sunday. And then we have 1030 that's more traditional um, with robing and processional and choir. And so uh, it's a great, it's a great mix. Um, oh, yeah. It's a great, it's a great church. So, so what happened? So y'all had your, your general conference, right? I'll just kind of start from the beginning as simply and quickly as I can. Yeah. Um, so there was, a general conference. We have general conference in the United Methodist Church every four years. Mm-hmm. Um, it met in 2016, mm-hmm. and for decades, I mean, I think 50 years, the question of um, human sexuality ha- has come up at these conferences. And so, there, the the way that our discipline, our book of discipline, essentially, is what we have as Methodists. Uh, the things that it states right now is that homosexuality is incompatible with uh, scripture, mm-hmm. that um, clergy cannot perform same-sex uh, weddings, mm-hmm. um, same-sex weddings cannot happen in Methodist churches, and that anyone in the LGBT community that feels called to lead a church uh, cannot be ordained mm-hmm. in Methodist church. So that's sort of the language that we've been dealing with. And so at it, it came up at um, general conference, 2016, the conferences are three or four days. They're, they're not that long. And so what happened from that conference is the general conference is allowed to call a special called conference. Uh, and so that's what they did. And all the delegates that are voted, um, This is so confusing. The delegates that are voted to go to general conference at our yearly conference meetings in each geographical area uh, remained the delegates for these uh, small 
for this special call conference. And so in Tennessee, we had four clergy and four lay. It's always an even number between mm-hmm. clergy and lay mm-hmm. that go to general conference. So the special call conference was called um, to propose a way forward in what to do with this language because there are people that want to get rid of it in the Methodist church. And so a council of bishops uh, was formed to help think the way forward. And that council of bishops came out with three different plans. Mm -hmm. Um, The plans that sort of carried the, there was a connectional plan. And I guess in my own opinion, it didn't carry as much weight as the other two. So uh, one of the others was the traditionalist plan which would not change the language at all, um, but it would actually uh, put harsher punishments Mm. on pastors who broke the discipline. Mm -hmm. So uh, a pastor that performed a same-sex wedding would have stronger consequences. And I would assume any openly queer clergy would be, um, what's your word, disbarred? Not disbarred. That's for lawyers, but uh, de- I actually don't know what they or whatever. Defrocked. I was going to say defrocked, but I don't know that they say that. Um, yeah, and which I, means they'd lose they'd lose their job, lose their license to be. They lose that. their credentials. Yeah. So the other plan uh, was the um, one church plan. And the Council of Bishops endorsed the one church plan. And what would happen in in that plan is the language would be eliminated and local churches and clergy would get to contextually decide what they, what they were going to do, whether they were going to perform same sex marriages. Uh, the church could decide, are we going to, are we going to host that in our church? Uh, clergy could decide, are they, am I going to officiate this wedding? Um, and conferences could decide if they were going to ordain uh, people from the LGBT community. And this is similar to what the Episcopalians did. Yes. Right? In yeah. the last decade. Yes. So, you know, other Protestant denominations have gone through this. I think how people are feeling right now um, is very uh, hurt and confused because I think many of us believed that the one church plan was going to be uh was going to be voted on and passed through. So um, I think for a long time, as we've been preparing our churches uh, and talking about this and trying to help people understand the plans, what we had in mind is the outcome was the one church plan. And so when you are sticking with uh, the language as is, and then perhaps putting further consequence on people, is it, it feels like a step backwards. It's jarring. Absolutely. Yes. And so what do you think contributed to that decision going the opposite way? You know, that it was a really uh, incredibly close vote. This was, this was like a difference of 54 votes. I mean, it, it, it was uh, very close. Um, I don't like people blaming Africa. However, we are a a global church Uh and in Africa, it is um, punishable to death Uh uh, to, to be gay. And so, you know, African delegates probably voted for the traditional plan. Uh, They make up a large number of our delegates because the, the United Methodist church is the strongest in Africa. Uh So I don't know for sure, but I think it was 30% of the of the vote 
is, uh, is from Africa. Mm -hmm. So, you know, if we were not a global church, I, I think that could be different. I'm imagining that more people in the United States would have leaned towards the one church plan. You know, we watched this though. We watched this live for a couple of days on the live stream and we saw plenty of people <laughs> that are from the United States uh, speaking against the one church plan. So right. you know, it, it felt like, it felt like we could all coexist mm -hmm. in the one church plan, you know, that we could decide uh, for ourselves based on our theology, how to move forward and be inclusive. Um, and so now people feel, people feel really uh, hurt and confused. And of course it's, there's going to be, there's going to be fallout and it's hard to anticipate what that is. Um, but I guess, go ahead. Oh, I just wanted to hear more about how your community has taken it and what sure. you all have done to yeah. address their issues and concerns. So the Sunday before the conference, we held a, a, a church lunch and we tried to help everyone understand these plans that were coming before the conference mm -hmm. so that no one is surprised by this. And, and actually we had been talking about it for months before that Jim had, the other pastor had been going around to Sunday school classes, introducing this. So people needed to have the information. Uh, yesterday we sent a letter to the congregation um, being honest that we we were surprised and that we uh, we were for the one church plan. It was the plan endorsed by the Council of Bishops. It would have created room uh, for all of us to exist together. Um, yeah, if it's not super long, you can read it. That'd be great. You want me to read it? Yeah, yeah. Yeah, it's just a couple of paragraphs. Yeah, that'd be great. Okay, I'll read it for you. So this was our response to our church after the special conference. We said, as many of you know by now, the special conference of the UMC voted to adopt the traditional plan. This means the language of the discipline will remain. Homosexuality is incompatible with Christian teaching. Same-sex weddings cannot be performed in UMC churches or officiated by UMC clergy. And members of the LGBT community cannot be ordained in the United Methodist Church. The result of this decision leaves some of us feeling relieved, and others of us feeling deeply grieved. We seek to hold in tension our difference of opinion. At the same time, we are saddened that the report from the Commission on the Way Forward was given so little weight by the General Conference that the final vote turned out to be 53% to 47% speaks clearly into the deep division within our church over this issue. To simply disregard the feelings of nearly half the church is a troubling decision. As we've previously stated, we feel the one church plan endorsed by the Council of Bishops offered the best way forward. If you are in need of a conversation, we want you to reach out to us. If you would like to pray, we want to offer the chapel up to you tonight, Wednesday, February 27th from 5 to 6. We invite you to come light a candle, to write a prayer, to fill the embrace of this beloved community. We affirm that we are one body, that our ministry will continue that we will come to the table together this Sunday, no matter how we disagree theologically, that God's grace is big and powerful enough to cover us all. We call on the Holy Spirit to lead us individually and collectively in moving forward in the ways that are authentic to who we are and who God is calling us to be.
Mm -hmm. So as I said before, when you are pastoring a church, you want to keep intention, um, the, the difference of opinion. And that's, I, I feel like that's such a difficult and hard job to do. Yeah. Especially, you know, as a queer woman, it's so hard, even in that statement, and I've heard others like this, there is no straight up recognition of the pain of LGBT people and the violence and abuse we've experienced in the church. And I grew up in the Methodist church. You did. I've experienced what it's like to be a gay person in the church, this particular church. So this is a very, you know, hits home thing to me. So how do you, I mean, obviously I know you care about me and you care about LGBT people and you totally believe they should be a part of the church in every way possible. But how do you, how do you say that? but not piss off other people. You know what I mean? Like, yeah. Yeah. And I, um, I do want to be clear about my personal opinion. <laughs> um, firstly, it is about the people whose identities are being called into question and debated. Mm -hmm. And it is not okay mm -hmm. uh, to say yet again, that we do not think you are a child of God or that you are called to ministry or that you are called into holy partnership with someone. Uh -huh. So first it is about uh, the people's lives in which we are debating. Um, and the issue is ours. The issue is not yours and you are not the issue, <laughs> you know, and I, I've thought a lot about, um, young people in this church uh, who are exploring their identity and, and trying to figure out who they are and grappling with uh, deep questions of their identity and tension with their faith. And it is not okay for them to think uh, that God doesn't love them mm -hmm. or they were not, or that they were a mistake or that whatever uh, place of becoming they are experiencing right now is not okay. Mm -hmm. So first and foremost is the people that we continue to harm. Second, maybe uh, the people in the church that uh, are allies who um, are grieved by us continuing to say that it's not okay to be gay you know, they're now questioning, do we leave? Do mm -hmm. we split? Do I stay a part of this church or do I just go somewhere else that's already open and inclusive? Mm -hmm. You know, and I don't, I don't blame anybody for leaving mm -hmm. <laughs> to tell you the truth. Um, but there is another part of me that I feel very, um, like ready to go. <laughs> I mean, you know, there's a part of me that's like, okay, what's next? How are we organizing? What are we doing to mobilize? Because it's not okay. Mm -hmm. um, you know, we thought, we thought this outcome was going to be different. And so we were kind of waiting to see. And yet again, it is not. And so we do need people to stay. Yeah, you do. You really do. People to stay that, mm -hmm. you know, are ready to uh, get to work. <laughs> um, 
you know, and I fall in that, I fall in that camp. I'm not, I'm not saying that there, uh, that I've done all these things to help, you know, I've tried to be a vocal ally, but there are ways that I can do more. Mm -hmm. And that's what I think we need. We need people that are ready to do more and they're ready to be in it for the long haul. It's not glamorous. It's people's lives. And really it is life or death. Mm -hmm. And so, Mm -hmm. you know, we need people that, that will stay and that, love this church and will help mm-hmm. help continue it. Mm-hmm. So yes, that is, as you said, that this doesn't, this doesn't admit that, right. This doesn't admit uh, the harm that's being done. And it, and that, it falls short for me. Um, yeah. And so that is always my internal struggle because yeah. I, <laughs> I, uh, I don't want to gain the world and forfeit my soul. Yeah. Yeah. What a, and I'm not in your position yet. I'm not an ordained clergy person. So I don't pretend to know. I know what that's like having to balance that. Um, but well, I, I think your cha- your challenge and your question is a good one. I mean, mm-hmm. you know, I think, I think many of us have felt you have to kind of tiptoe, mm-hmm. um, and you know, it is, it is a, it perhaps is a question of call because mm-hmm. I do think people are called uh, to be pastors in different ways. Sure. And so can, do you want to pastor a church and you want to help people uh, learn how to think theologically for themselves and interpret scripture for themselves? Do you want to teach them, mm-hmm. you know, or do you want to pastor a church of people that are saying, this is wrong. I'm ready to go. And I'm going to move forward with, with whoever it is that's on that page, mm-hmm. you know? And I do think people, I do think people are called to different things mm-hmm. and I'm not quite sure what my calling is. So I have been struggling with that. Mm-hmm. You know, um, when we were in divinity school, uh, professor Meek said the pa- pastors have got to uh, own their, their teaching call. And I had no idea what that meant until I started doing this. Mm-hmm. And I realized, oh, like the conversations and the classes and the Bible study, that's how you help people learn to inter- interpret scripture mm-hmm. and consider context mm-hmm. and think about people's real lives and their experience that they bring to the text. Mm-hmm. So, you know, some of us are going to have to do that. And, and again, that's longer work. Mm-hmm. You know, that, that's going to take time. Mm-hmm. And, and, you know, I do, I do want people to understand that I'm not, I think we can do harm when we start to demonize the other side, right? Mm-hmm. Or people that don't agree with us. So when I, when I'm stating my beliefs, when I'm saying, I think everybody's a child of God and this is harmful to the LGBT community. Mm-hmm. I am for them more than I am against you. Right, like I'm right. for someone mm-hmm. um, who has been oppressed, um, who has questioned who they are and whether they're worthy and if they're loved because of our theology. Yeah. So, you know, it's hard. It's so hard. Mm-hmm. And for the, I mean, for the last eight weeks, my prayer when I wake up in the morning has been the same. (laughs) God help me to lead with grace and wisdom and focus. Mm -hmm. And every day is trying to discern how to do that. Mm -hmm. But still, I think it's important, (laughs) you know, any sort of backlash or 
people that say, I don't like you or I don't agree with you. Like that is nothing. That is nothing in the face of what people whose identities are being questioned have to experience, you know, and, and I know that slightly from being a woman of of someone saying, you know, you can't preach, you can't talk. Um, But I'm married, I'm married to a man and I don't have to, you know, Mm -hmm. my struggle is different. Mm -hmm. Um, What else do you think? What else do I think? Yeah. About this? Yeah. What'd you tell me to do? What do you want? You want me to tell you what to do? Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) I mean, I want to hear some of your response. Yeah. Especially growing up in this church. I know. I, I'm going to try to gather my reflections tonight and write, write up a piece on this to post, but I know the value of loving your tradition, you know, and finding such spiritual home in that and how horrible it must feel to not be accepted and loved. And I mean, that's why I left. I left the Methodist church. Um, when I started studying Catholicism, I didn't become Catholic, but I, I certainly left the Methodist church because they didn't know how to deal with the question of sexuality. They just, they didn't know how to deal with it. Yeah. And part of it is like, I'm glad that we're having the, the Methodist church is finally talking about this. You guys have needed to talk about this for decades. I mean, you're just, you know, so many other churches have already gone through this, but you're just the next one that needs to go through it. Mm-hmm. Um, and that's the only way you're going to begin to start figuring this out. Mm-hmm. I don't know. Like you said, I don't know if I think, it makes sense to me if LGBT people want to leave the church and it makes sense to me if they want to stay. Yeah. Both options I think are totally valid and there's plenty of women in the Catholic church. Come on. I mean, you know, like it's a, it's a deep, deep love of one's church and tradition. And, and the reason why I didn't become a professional, you know, professor or theologian is because I realized my work and the best way I can be influential is to be in the church, not outside of it. Mm. Uh, as a queer woman, I need to be in the church. Yeah. LGBT people need to see me in the collar on the altar preaching. Right. So there's great value to stay, but I'm, I'm very glad we're starting to talk about, it. and it's going to be painful. You're going to have growing pains. We're evolving. We understand more about human sexuality. We have to make lived experience and science and advancements and humanity translate when we read the scripture and we understand our tradition is a living tradition. Yeah. Um, and there will be pain. And that's part of life. But we learn from pain. Pain is our greatest teacher. Uh, so that's, um, that's my prayer for y'all, is that through this pain, y'all learn and y'all eventually start healing. But I, I do demand from the UMC that we acknowledge our sins. The church has sinned against us as LGBT people Mm. and they need to be held accountable and to name that and repent just like the Catholic church needs to repent Mm -hmm. of its bullshit right now. Mm -hmm. And it needs to be restructured. And Mm -hmm. so does the Methodist church. It needs to restructure itself and look at itself hard Mm -hmm. and continue this work. Um, But I, I I feel for my LGBT clergy because there's a ton of LGBT clergy in Methodist church. Yeah. What what are they going to do? Yeah. And my church has its own issues, you know, and we're just a little further along in, on this particular issue, but it doesn't mean we don't have our own shit. Mm-hmm. Um, 
Mm-hmm. So, I mean, I'm, I'm with y'all and I don't, I don't want to see a mass exodus. You know, I don't, I, don't, I really don't. I really don't. Um, I love the Methodist church. It was, it was my home. It's still a huge part of my family's home. And I love so many people in it. Uh, and it's not the church that is messed up. Mm-hmm. It's, it's the people arguing about shit that doesn't matter. Mm-hmm. And I still, I still don't understand why this one theological issue has to be the breaking point. Yeah. Come on. Like how many things have we evolved on war mm-hmm. killing, mm-hmm. you know, um, divorce. Like there's so many things um, the church has moved around and adapted to and made exceptions for like, why is this? And, and, and it's a, each generation has its own different, I think question it tackles, but mm-hmm. I hate, I hate division and split. I don't, it just, it it further polarizes us as a human family. Mm -hmm. So that I think is always something to mourn. But yeah, I'm I'm still trying to wrap my head around it all. I really am. I'm just, I'm praying a lot and I'm, I'm thinking about y'all. And and that's why I wanted to initiate these conversations to just. That's my idea. You know, love on each other, support each other. And yeah, I do. I, the same. I understand people wanting to leave. I can't blame people for needing a space that actually includes them and allows them to use their gifts Mm -hmm. and affirms who they are. Mm -hmm. I hope those that do want to stay will have a sense of, being a part of reform and, and being a part of a movement and remembering that that's actually our heritage. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. That's actually our heritage is to reform within, within the church. Mm-hmm. And, and so, yeah, God be with people that want to take action and, and be part of reform and movement and mm-hmm. resurrection. Yeah. What do you think about, like, I have the tendency to want to say, I'm sorry. I, you know, and I, and I have colleagues saying, I'm sorry, because of course I am. Mm-hmm. There's part of me that's, um, you know, my guilt doesn't do anything though. Right. <laughs> you know, like, like I, unless it propels me to action, you know, yeah. I, I am hoping that people, the way that they feel right now, frustrated and yeah. Sad that like will not lose this. Right. Let's be productive and, now and allow it to propel them yeah. into action and, and and propel them forward and not forget how you feel right now. Yes. Because a month from now, if if this like fire is not stirring up in your soul, you know we we allow it to just be put back down. Mm-hmm. And the truth is, we need to keep it stoked. Yes. Absolutely. Yeah. Absolutely. Thanks for asking me to talk. You're welcome. It's very helpful to me too. I need to, you know, I had a moment this morning. Uh, again, our pain is not the same, but I, um, you know, when I saw the decision was like, when it was actually voted, the traditional plan was like, there's no hope. This is like what we're doing. <laughs> I was just like, I like broke down in my office and I forgot somebody was coming in here. <laughs> so it's like sitting at my desk, but I have found, and I think a lot of people are finding them pastors and, and lay just find themselves with, um, as grief goes, you know, yeah. like, I mean, I dropped my child off and his bottle spilled in his 
bag and it was like everywhere and I had to clean it up and I was like I'm gonna have to go get more you know when I left I just like stood in the parking lot and sobbed and I was like I'm not crying over bottles right (laughs) you know I'm crying over this tension and this pain that we're living with and and not knowing what to do with it so we will we will lament but we will also hold on to hope yes yes we have to thank you